0: Welcome to the Gaming Ride Home podcast for Thursday, August 20th. I am Kyle Hilliard. Here's a whole bunch of video game stuff that happened recently. Kingdom of Amalur's original developer's former CEO is wrapped up in a laundering scheme related to raising money to build a US-Mexico border wall. It's complicated and weird. Rocksteady responds to sexual harassment allegations. Valve is going to be lenient with Microsoft Flight Simulator refund requests. Marvel's Avengers is getting an open beta this weekend, and Battletoads is out today. Former 38 Studios CEO Kurt Schilling was involved in the Build-A-Wall pack, a thing that just led to former Donald Trump advisor Steve Bannon getting arrested. This is just a weird, tangentially related to video games news story that is just... So strange. And it also kind of goes to show that if Kurt Schilling is involved in a company, that's probably a good reason to not invest any money. So for the non-video game side of the story, former President Donald Trump advisor Steve Bannon was arrested this morning for issues related to a crowdfunding campaign he was involved with that was raising money to build a wall between Mexico and the United States of America. The campaign raised over $25 million, but apparently the money was being used for personal gain. Audrey Strauss, the acting U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, said, As alleged, the defendants defrauded hundreds of thousands of donors, capitalizing on their interest in funding a border wall to raise millions of dollars under the false pretense that all of the money would be spent on construction. While repeatedly assuring donors that Brian Colphage, the founder and public face of the We Build the Wall, would not be paid a cent, the defendants secretly schemed to pass hundreds of thousands of dollars to Colphage, which he used to fund his lavish lifestyle. That quote comes from an NPR story linked in the show notes. So, That's the main part of it, but the tangentially related video game side of it comes from Edward Isaac Dover from The Atlantic on Twitter, who wrote, Chris Kobosh is the general counsel of the Build the Wall pack that Steve Bannon was just arrested for being involved in as a chairman. The advisory board includes Eric Prince, former Colorado Congressman Tom Tancredo, Sheriff Dave Clark, and former pitcher Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling is predominantly known for being a pitcher in the MLB, but I will always know him as the CEO of 38 Studios, the developer that created Kingdoms of Amalur with investment funds from the state of Rhode Island, which he neglected to return when required, which ultimately doomed the developer and the Kingdoms of Amalur franchise, though that might be making a comeback soon. There's a, there's a remake re-release on the way. It's r- really gross that money was being raised to build a wall, which as near as I can tell is... Thankfully, nowhere near fruition, and it's totally unsurprising that it is all collapsing under the weight of its founders, deciding to just try and keep the money for themselves. Rocksteady responds to recent sexual harassment issues with kind of a weird public statement. The publication, The Guardian, recently released a story about sexual harassment issues at developer Rocksteady Games and how the company had not taken proper action when women within the studio went directly to its leadership. Once the article was published, Rocksteady apparently began to take action internally and called a studio meeting. But the developer also released kind of a strange statement on Twitter. Here's the statement in full. While working on our response to the recent news, we received the following unsolicited letter. 8 out of the 10 people that signed the original 2018 letter are still at Rocksteady. The following unedited letter below is from 7 of those people. Please note that all involved do not wish to have their identity disclosed publicly under any circumstances. This statement is sent in representation of the current women at Rocksteady Studios who were working at the studio in 2018 who signed a letter regarding issues being faced by female employees. The statement is, has in no way been asked for or influenced by management or anyone else. This is solely the voices of those involved who are still currently employed by Rocksteady. We all feel the need to respond to this and to reflect what actually happened at the time and how this has been handled since. Recently, an article was posted in The Guardian regarding this letter, which was sent to the studio heads and HR in 2018, in addition to multiple other accusations. In this article, we feel that the anonymous source or sources attempted to speak on behalf of all women at Rocksteady, and we do not feel that this article is a fair representation of us, the events at the time, or since the letter was received. When the letter was received by the studio, immediate action was taken, which resulted in a series of meetings with the women of the studio to allow us a safe space to talk about any issues we were facing, figuring out strategies to resolve these issues, and what the studio could do going forward. Continued efforts have been made to ensure that we have a voice within our work and within the studio, ranging from involvement, specifically with how our characters are represented, to workshops to help build self-confidence within male-dominated industries. Throughout all of this, a firm promise has been made that there is always an open forum for us to speak out and that issues would be addressed with seriousness. None of the current female employees at the studio who are involved with the letter were contacted about this letter being released to the media until we were informed by the studio. At the time of working through the original letter with the studio, we were assured that this would be kept as a private matter as this was what we had collectively requested. We feel that our privacy and wishes have been disregarded and a private matter has been made public. This has left us feeling that we have been violated by the source or sources as it was kept private for personal reasons to all involved, not due to industry secrecy. We would like to conclude this statement reaffirming the importance of any minority within the games industry to speak up and for studios to take seriously, as Rocksteady did at the time and continues to do, any allegations being brought forward and to work towards creating safe environments for us to work in so that we can make great games. The tweet with that statement is linked in the show notes. Now, taken at face value, it implies that the women at the studio are happy with how it was handled and are disappointed with how things have gone public. That whole statement, though, it, it, just, it, really, it just feels strange. It feels like your boss saying, look, it would be really great if you did this thing. You don't have to do it, but I am your boss, and I would really appreciate it if you did, but you don't have to. It's just odd. My hope is that the statement does represent the truth, that Rocksteady did take appropriate action when the women working at the studio came forward with these issues. But that just has, unfortunately, not been the case in the game industry up to this point. So I just, I think it's important to remain skeptical. Valve says it will be more lenient with Microsoft Flight Simulator refund requests. I still have not had a chance to play Microsoft Flight Simulator myself, but I did leave my PC downloading overnight to get it on my computer, which is the main issue I'm discussing here. The way Microsoft Flight Simulator works on Steam is you download an approximately 500 megabyte client to run the game, and when you open the game, it begins a 127 gigabyte update download process, which takes a long time. The issue is is that Steam counts this time as legitimate Microsoft Flight Simulator playtime, which basically throws Steam's refund policy of letting players return a game they are unsatisfied with as long as they have less than two hours of playtime right out the window. Thankfully, Valve appears to recognize this issue and says it will be more lenient with players interested in returning the game. Christopher Livingston reported on the issue for PC Gamer and wrote, We asked Valve about the issue, and VP of Marketing, Doug Lombardi, replied, The time it takes your machine to download the additional content will not be counted against the Steam refund policy, he wrote in an email. We are working with Microsoft to see if we can improve the download experience, Lombardi also told us, though he didn't elaborate further. That story is linked in the show notes. So if you're unsure about trying the game for this reason, hopefully this addresses those fears. You may have to jump through a few additional hoops to get a refund, but it sounds like Valve will honor their policy despite the strange download process for the game. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad free? Good news. Marvel's Avengers is getting a free open beta this weekend. Marvel's Avengers has been going through a series of betas recently. There was a closed beta for press and influencers, and then the beta opened up for those who pre-ordered the game. But this weekend, the beta is opening up entirely for anyone with a compatible console and an internet connection. Here are the details from the press release. The Marvel's Avengers Open Beta will be available from August 21st to 23rd for all PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC players. The beta includes four of the game's single-player campaign hero missions, three harm room challenges, four war zones, and five drop zones. All of this content adds up to hours and hours of superhero action. War zones and drop zones can be played solo with any of the heroes in a player's roster as AI companions or cooperatively in groups of up to four players. Overall, feedback on Marvel's Avengers during the beta I feel like has been kind of negative. There are certainly plenty of folks who had a great time with the beta, but I saw a lot more folks commiserating about its shortcomings. It's definitely one I am curious about. I want to play it and give it a shot, see what I think of the thing. I like the Marvel films, but I wouldn't really consider myself the biggest Marvel fan. I do like Crystal Dynamics a lot, though, and I do like superhero games when they're well executed. I'm going to try and set aside some time to play it this weekend. Here's what released today. Battletoads is out on Xbox One and PC today. It's a 2D beat-em-up and the first Battletoads game in many, many years. Rare created the Battletoads back in the early 90s, and while they were involved in this game, they aren't the main developer. The reviews for the game have been somewhat mixed. The more positive reviews complement the game's sense of humor and easy to pick up and play nature, while the more negative reviews just say that there just isn't anything particularly interesting to grab onto or enjoy. IGN's Terrence Wiggins was on the more positive side of the review scale, giving the game an 8 and writing, Battletoads not only revives the long, dormant, beat-em-up franchise, it makes it fun to play for everyone instead of only ultra-hardcore masochists. And if they made a TV show about these hilarious characters, I'd watch it. Destructoids' Chris Carter gave the game a 7 and wrote about it, Battletoads is another one of 2020's infamous oddities. I suspect it's going to be highly polarizing, not only due to the adherence to retro-style difficulty, but the newness of the art and humor, but it somewhat won me over due to sheer force of will. I also can safely assume that I'm going to be on the higher end of the spectrum of liking it, but if we never see these dudes again because this game was an absolute cacophony, I'll be a bit bummed. Game Informer's Joe Juba gave the game perhaps one of its most negative reviews, giving it a 5 out of 10 and writing, The kindest thing I can say about Battletoads is this. It works. The controls are fine, I encountered no major technical issues, and an optional invincibility feature allows you to easily clear sections that are giving you too much trouble. Simply being playable from beginning to end is a tragically low bar to clear, but it's the main thing Battletoads has going for it. Otherwise, this baffling experience digs through decades of gaming history to unearth the Battletoad's name, only to drag it through the mud. The game is currently sitting at a 72 on Metacritic and is part of Game Pass, so if you're a subscriber, you can give the game a shot. See what you think. Also out today, Danganronpa 2 Goodbye Despair Anniversary Edition is out on both iOS and Android. This version of Danganronpa 2 Goodbye Despair has some bonuses for its mobile release, like better controls and visuals, It's basically an over-the-top visual novel that seems like a good fit for mobile devices. The My Hero Academia fighting game, My Hero 1's Justice 2, got a pretty substantial update today. There is paid DLC in the form of a new fighter, Mei Hatsume, who in the show is actually a skilled inventor, but there have also been a number of free updates. A balancing patch has been issued, but players can also play as a Nomu, one of the powerful, mindless monsters the heroes are always having to deal with in the show. And a photo mode has been added. Every game needs a photo mode. The third episode of the Epic Games Store sitcom 3 out of 10, titled Pivot Like a Champion, is also out today. 3 out of 10 is a comedic series about a struggling video game studio that is working to raise its game's review scores. It looks a little like a LucasArts point-and-click game crossed with a Telltale game, and episodes are being delivered to the Epic Games Store every week for free. Grief Helm is out today on Steam, and it's a game all about duels. It kind of looks like Nidhogg, but with a much more grounded and serious tone. The game describes itself on Steam as a tactical dueling game. Pastel Blind Karma is also out today on Steam. It's a game following an anthropomorphized nine-tailed fox as she explores a colorful forest and solves various puzzles. That's it for gaming news today. I went to play more Spiritfarer yesterday, but my daughter basically took the controller from me to start her own save file while I went off to record this week's episode of Min Max. And by the time I was done recording, she was all in on the game and I didn't want to interrupt her play session. And then my wife, watching her play, was equally enamored and started her own save on another system. So last night, I ended up being the only person in my house who wasn't playing Spiritfarer. Hopefully, one of them will finish the game soon and I will be able to pick up where I left off, which was really only like 30 minutes into the game. In the meantime, I played more Creeks. since I am playing it on Switch. I'm still enjoying it. It's still weird and creepy without being like totally terrifying, which is kind of my favorite zone to be in. The puzzles are a little repetitious. I would like some more variety in there, but I'm eager to keep going with it. If you have corrections or just feedback in general, feel free to send me tweets or DMs to either at Kyle M. Hilliard or at Gaming Ride Home, or you can send an email to kyle at ridehome.info, and please consider leaving a review for the podcast wherever you listen to it. You can also check out my Twitch account, Kyle Impersonator, where I am playing through something new. I'm still playing Halo for the moment, but maybe later this week I will start something new. I played Halo multiplayer today. We'll see. You can also find me on the Max Show for more long-form video game discussions. I will talk to you more about video games tomorrow.